Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osman, here with my friend Chavruta and Gordon. Our daf today, Masachet Yuma, daf Chet, page eight. So our Gemara here continues with an interesting discussion about some of the halachot around Tuma and Tara with the Kohen Gadol who needs to have this period of separation seven days before Yom Kippur, and also the Kohen, notice it's not a Kohen Gadol, just a regular Kohen, who's going to prepare the Para Aduma. And part of what gets discussed here is, you know, this discussion of whether or not going to the mikvah in time, if you were Tame, is actually considered to be a mitzvah. In other words, you need to go at the first opportunity, or is it that you sort of can go whenever you can go? That's one interesting machlokas that gets discussed here. And another one is uh, this three-part opinion of Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Hanina Skan HaKohanim about how many times must these Kohanim actually uh, be sprinkled. And, you know, so one holding that it's all seven days, one holding that it's just day three um, and just day seven. And Rabbi Hanina holds that it's only uh, the the coin who's going to prepare the paraduma who needs to be sprinkled um, every day of those seven days. But the coin gadol um, for Yom Kippur only needs to be sprinkled on the third and seventh day. And then the Gemara quotes this interesting Mishnah where they're basically trying to sort of understand um, why is it that you would even need to do the sprinkling for every seven days? And that has to do with sort of a, a whole thing of, you know, if they beca- if the Kohen became Tameh on this day, when do they actually become uh, Tahor? And the conclusion that they basically reach is, is that day four, you don't actually need to do any sprinkling because it's not going to help the Kohen uh, become Tameh, sorry, become Tahor any faster. The day four sprinkling is sort of not needed. And then the Gemara concludes with a very interesting observation. Amar Rava. Rava says, Hilkach, therefore, Kohen Gadol B'yom HaKippurim, right? With talking about the Kohen Gadol and, you know, having to do this period of separation with Yom Kippur, Delo B'didan Talia Milsa. It is not dependent upon us. Ela B'kfiya D'yarcha Talia Milsa. But rather, it depends upon the fixing of the month. Meaning, the Yom Kippur is always going to be on Yud Tishrei, which means that this period of separation is always going to begin on Gimel Tishrei. Now, one piece that's interesting about this is, is that we know Gimel Tishrei is actually Som Gedalia and is a fast day. And it's interesting that that up until now, and I sort of, you know, um, thought of this as I read this page, doesn't even come into play at all. Like it's not even mentioned what the significance is of Gimel Tishrei. So that's just one you know, observation here. But the pointer that Rabbi is making is, is that it's a set day. We always know that that period of separation for the Kohen Gadol is always going to begin on the 3rd of Tishrei. Now, what we don't have control over is what day of the week that actually falls out on. And one of the things that came out when they had this discussion about not sprinkling on the fourth day is that you also would not sprinkle on Shabbat, Right. So what that basically means is, is that if you have it as a fixed period, you don't know when that, you know, third of Tishrei is going to fall out. So theoretically, that Kohen Godel is not going to be sprinkled on day four and is also not going to be sprinkled on Shabbat. So out of those seven days, if you're holding the opinion that the Kohen Godel needs to be sprinkled for seven full days, there's always going to be two days, day four and Shabbat, unless they fall out on the same day, that the Kohen Godel is not going to be sprinkled. Um, and then Rebel goes on to say, uh, right? He has to, you know, be sequestered on third of Tishrei. Sorry, I should have read that part before. 
Mafrichinle. And whenever the third of Tishrei occurs, that's when we're going to separate him. But the coin is going to burn the paraduma, to be didan talia milsa, which is dependent upon us. Meaning, what? There's no date when the paraduma needs to be burned. So we can basically choose at any time, right? Oh, we're going to burn the paraduma on a Tuesday. And therefore, seven days before is when that Kohen needs to separate. Again, as opposed to the Kohen Gadzel for Yom Kippur, where it's always going to be the third of Tishrei. And that's totally not dependent on anything else. We don't actually, it just, it's dependent on, I guess, just when the, when we set Rosh Hashanah. But once you know when Rosh Hashanah is going to be, you know automatically what day of the week the Kohen Gadzel is going to have to separate because you know when Yom Kippur is going to be. But for the Paraduma, you know, it's basically, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's dependent on us, meaning we, you know, the Kohanim, I guess, could decide when that's going to be burned. And therefore, and therefore, basically, they would only start this, the, the sequestering of him on the Wednesday. So this way, it would fall out that the fourth day for this Kohen would always fall out on Shabbat itself. And therefore, we would never have this issue that there sort of would be two days that the Kohen would not be sprinkled. It would just always be this one fourth day, which would also be Shabbat. And I thought this was such, it was one of these like passages where like, until I read it, I was like, oh, that's so eloquent. And so what a nice, you know, little piece that Rava has there because it did not occur to me in any part of the discussion beforehand. Um, and it's particularly the piece before, like you didn't know where the Gemara was going. Um, and I thought that Rava just raised such a nice, interesting point here. And it's such a beautiful solution they have, particularly with the Paraduma Kohen, right? That fine, we're just going to make it, we can control it. And so therefore, we'll just make sure that the fourth day always falls out on Shabbat when it comes to the Paraduma. Whereas the Kohen Gadol, we have no control over. It's just going to fall out those those seven days whenever they fall out. So I wonder if this... Um potential for ambiguity for the paraduma is why the Mishnah here doesn't state, you know, state to begin with on Gimel Tishrei, we sequester the Kohen when we're talking about Yom Kippur, right? I understand that we're talking about Yom Kippur, we say a week before because we're, the focus is Yom Kippur, but, but we know that date, right? So theoretically, they could have just said, you know, always on, you know, as soon as Rosh Hashanah is over, the Kohen should be sequestered. Like that could have been the language of the Mishnah, but it's not. It says seven days before. I wonder if that isn't to allow for the ambigu- for the potential of the seven days before that happens with the Paraduma. Ooh, that's an excellent question. And I'm mad I didn't come up with that myself because you're right. <laughs> that's actually what the language of the Mishnah should have been. Why doesn't it say on Gimel Tishrei, the Kohen is always, you know, it, it is Mafrishan. But so I'm, I'm thinking that you've already answered the question. I mean, yeah, I found I'm mad I didn't ask the question. question. <laughs> Fair, but but I found the question in your answer, right? Okay. I think I, I think that this is this is what it's supposed to. Remember when we began the mission, and right away it starts talking about the paraduma, and we're like, what are we doing talking about the paraduma here? And I I'm wondering. I think that maybe this is you know very integrally connected from the very beginning. Yeah, and I and I think this passage of Rava sort of like brings it all together in a very nice way that you didn't think about on, you know, a few dappen worth of Gemara sort of comparing and contrasting uh, the, these two processes. Right, right.
Okay, so the Gemara continues, you know, right from where you've left off, basically, and it goes back to the Mishnah and it talks about this place, right? Where to where is the Kohen sequestered? Lelishkat Farhedrin is what the is what the Mishnah says, right? Meaning this is where he's going to be taken from his house to this chamber of the Farhedrin, Parhedrin, and which seems to mean um, the chamber of the where the royal appointees would be. This seems to be some kind of, or that's going to be, I guess, the Greek for it, right? Tani Rabbi Huda Vachili Shkatfar Adrin Haita was it really was it really either called or known as this Lishkat Parhedrin Bahalol Lishkat Balvate Haita? Wasn't it really the chamber of the Balvate, meaning the chamber for the ministers or the council heads? Again, from Greek, um, meaning councilman or city or senate, of, you know, councilman of the city or the senator, right? So, so. The distinction here of, you know, what was the room, what was the room named for, uh, seems to be a, a matter of what's the functioning in the Beit HaMikdash. Um, and so the Gemara is going to continue to explain why exactly we've got this distinction. So initially, meaning at the beginning, what's the beginning? During the time of Shimon HaTzadik, right? At that time, um, they called it the Chamber of the Balvate. Right, which itself was significant, meaning because it's a place that's designated for the Kohen Gadol, but it gives honor, right, to the people who are giving money. Well, this is the problem. Here we go. So what happens is. In the time of Shimon Tzaddik, it's called the Chamber of the Belvate because this is the, you know, the, I don't know, the councilmen or the advisee, the people who would give advice, you know, the council, basically. All of that was, you know, good and giving them honor. But then what happens is that people would pay money to become the Kohen Gadol. This was the corruption of the Kuna, of the Kuna, pardon me, the priesthood, which we know took place, you know, we know that at, towards the end of Bayi Cheney, the second temple, Temple Commonwealth. This is exactly what happened. And it's, I'm sorry to say, it's very depressing, I think, to think about this kind of corruption of the kahuna. So they paid. They paid to be the Kohen Gadol. And then every 12 months, they would, you know, take over. So the Parhedrin, these were the appointees, were also set, you know, scheduled for every 12 months. So then once they've, you know, as opposed to these people who held the positions for a long time and they were good advisors and so on, the the name itself of the chamber switched from being Balvate to Parhedrin because the the role of those who would be living there, be staying there, also switched. Um, um, and so therefore they changed the name because the same way that the Kohen Gadol would be replaced every every year, it would be the same way that the new appointee, you know, would uh, take over the chamber. Um, okay. That so the reason I wanted to read this part, I mean, I think it's interesting, just like the technicalities of the names of things in the in the Beta Mikdash and why things would be changed. But I think also it really speaks to what happened with the Kohen with the Kahuna, right? At the beginning, or what, what is the beginning? Shimon Tzadik is already fairly late into the into the years of the Beta Mikdash. Um, but but basically there was a good long run of things running the way they were supposed to, right? Where we could have trust that the Kohen Gadol was not corrupt, that they were doing all this, you know, with the right intent and so on. And then, uh, you know, whatever, there seems to be some interest in power and, and 
and having the disposable means to do so, right? To pay for the to pay for the right to be there. How anybody accepted that is also the part of the issue. It's not just that somebody's willing to buy their way in, right? That's bad enough on that individual, but somebody's willing to accept that money to let him buy his way in, and it seemed to have gone on for years, right? Every twelve months, to the extent that they change the name of the room, this is not a short-lived thing. Um, well, so- it's also interesting they're willing to name it after something not nice. Like you feel like, and and re- like it would be one thing if like the the Mishnah mention the name of the place right and okay like that's the name of the place and then you had a amoraic passage afterwards it said like oh and by the way another name of this was called you know this because it reminded us of you know the kohanim who bought the kohen guttles who bought their way in but it's interesting like it was really named that like they really did not shy away from what this had i have the feeling that they didn't think it was corrupt or that they weren't willing to think that it was corrupt right this is it's modeled off of a a rule of of appointees and advisors from rome right meaning that rome was around already you know it wasn't yet the destruction of the temple but the romans had systems of government and officials and so on right and so so the idea that they would then you've got districts and district uh, liaisons let's say who are appointed for a year it's not crazy that the Kohen Gadol would then be appointed for the year. And also, this doesn't say anything about it, but I have to wonder how this lines up with the Kohanim Gadolim not, you know, coming out of the Kodesh Kodeshim, um, you know, Belifega, you know, with, without any blemish. Because we know that when they went in and they were not fit for the job, they died in there, right? So so is that the other, is that the, the very morbid, you know, side of why they might have a new appointee every year? I don't know. Like, I had the same thought and I was waiting for a line about that, but it doesn't appear. Is this a, like, is this like Hamid and Yavin, like those who understand, understand, or that did that not really happen? I'm not, you could really read this two different ways. Right. And I think that, I mean, listen, we are still only on Dafchet. We may have more answers as we go through. We do not yet have an answer to this question. So the one thing that I will add is that, you know, I, there are commentaries, including Rashi, who do say that this was, you know, the idea that this was replaced annually, right? Is that specifically that he says specifically? Rashi says that Kohanim Gedolim were wicked, and they were interested in flaunting their wealth and their power, right? There's other commentary that says that, you know, each each resident of this chamber would redo it, you know, with according to their luxurious taste, luxuriant tastes. So it's not the comment about them dying. But it is a comment of Rashi's comment is that they're wicked. So we're getting closer. You know, I, we'll see. I think we'll get more information, I guess, as we go. I hope. I, I would agree with that. And I, I think this probably will be a theme that will be revisited a few times. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP and the discussion about the Kohanim on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.